This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Letter 2, page 23. It's a very historical letter. This is the letter that Alter Rebbe wrote to the Hasidim after his triumph, after he was released from prison, Yutes Chav Kislev, after he was released and he was vindicated on Hasidus triumph. And here it says, upon his arrival from Petersburg, and then he says, Epistle 2. Altogether, you have, I think, 32 letters. This is the only letter, and one other letter, which has a heading on top of the letter, why the letter was written. This and letter 27. So here he says, upon his arrival from Petersburg. But the difference is, this is the only letter First he has the heading, and then he says Epistle 2. In 27, first he says Epistle 27, and then it says the heading, why this letter was written. Because this letter was written after the Alter Rebbe was released from prison. And the Alter Rebbe being imprisoned wasn't just personal. It was really an accusation against his whole approach of publicizing Hasidus, bringing Hasidus to the masses, making it accessible. And therefore, there was a tremendous heavenly accusation. When the Alter Rebbe was released from prison, it means that it was a triumph for Hasidus, for his whole approach. And therefore, the children of the Alter Rebbe, when they put in this letter, they wrote first the heading, and then they said, Epistle 2, to show us that now we're starting a new phase in, in the in in Hasidus. There's before Petersburg and there's post-Petersburg. So this is Epistle 2. Now we're starting a whole new, we got the green light, we had the breakthrough, and now the road, the highway is paved. Now the highway is paved till Mashiach. This is the path for the Jewish people, the approach of the Alter Rebbe, that people should study Hasidus and learn Hasidus and engage in Hasidus. That's what they hinted at by setting it up this way. First putting the heading, and then putting a pistol too. And the, the uh, letter is based on the verse in the Parsha, the Parsha right before the Shabbos, al was released on Tuesday. The Shabbos before, which blesses that week, was Shabbos Vayishla. And that's the Shabbos that the, his teacher... Rabbi Dov Bed and Bagad Mazrich passed away on Yutas Kislev, who was Parshas Vayishlach. So the Alter Rebbe is basing this letter on a verse on Parshas Vayishlach. The reason the Alter Rebbe wrote this letter was 
Al-Tarebbe felt that this is a tremendous breakthrough, a tremendous revelation of godliness, um, a signal from heaven that this is a new path for the Jewish people to follow. But at the same time, Al-Tarebbe was worried that it shouldn't lead to triumphalism, to arrogance. There's no room for arrogance. Even though there was a dispute, a conflict, a bitter conflict, a conflict unto death, they were ready literally to murder the Altadam. Want to take the gloves off and speak in Mamalash and speak. That's exactly what they tried to do. So you can imagine how bitter the conflict was between the Hasidim and the establishment who were in control, who were in charge, and they were threatened. The Hasidism is undermining the whole authority. And they were ready to go, even to violate the Ten Commandments of thou shalt not murder. Talking about pious Jews, literally ready to murder the Altadev, kill the Altadev, based on a lie and a blood libel. That's how bitter the conflict was. But we don't want to dwell on that point. We don't want to dwell on the negativity. These were the Yes. But we don't want to dwell on the negativity. But you have to understand, realistically, how, what really happened at that time. It's a very, very serious rift, very serious conflict. And the opposition, not only through insult and tried to insult and humiliate and denigrate and did everything in their power to tear down the opposition, very arrogantly, very chutzpah. So now that the Hasidim won, the Hasidim could suffer from a sense of triumphalism. Ah! Aha! See? You lousy good-for-nothings, arrogant, selfish, self-centered. See, you lost and we won. Holiness won, godliness won, goodness won, truth won. How are we going to put you in your place? This is what Alter Rebbe was afraid of. Alter Rebbe did not want this triumphalism, this, God forbid, sense of superiority, sense of putting down a fellow Jew. Because there's no room for arrogance. That's really the downfall of this country because there's no longer a discussion between right and left. It's <laughs> right and left just insult each other. You, you know, the left-wing talk shows insult the right. The right-wing talk shows insult the left. It's no longer a question of discussing ideology, discussing theory, discussing concepts. Everything is insults, put-downs, name-calling. And that's pure ego, that's pure arrogance. There's no room for that. You have a legitimate difference of a viewpoint, a legitimate difference of opinion. Absolutely. Hillel and Shammai fought like cats and dogs. They married each other. There was no, nothing personal at the end of the day. It was, we're fighting for the truth. We believe that this is the right approach. The cup is half empty, and the, uh, no, 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 the cup is half full. 
And they were ready to fight to the end for the truth, but it was never personal. The moment it gets personal, you know there's something wrong here. You know, there's something wrong. It says a teacher is to be very careful. And he makes a point never to start cursing, or even if his point is 100%. The moment you start cursing, you start you lose all value. Whatever you say becomes meaningless. Because it's ego, it's arrogance. If you're fighting for truth, stick to your guns, stick to your point. The Rebbe was not afraid to fight for truth. Fight for truth, he's ready to die for the truth. But never get personal. Never become a sense of triumphalism and arrogance and superiority and haughtiness. We're going to crush you. Not to say the other side didn't deserve it. Because <laughs> the other side were a bunch of schleck, a bunch of... But we don't want to dwell on that. But pretty miserable. Really miserable. Arrogant. Distorted the Torah. It was all about, if you had any doubt how brilliant they were, they were the first ones to tell you how brilliant they were. And it was so far from the spirit of Torah, from the soul of Torah, from the modesty, the humility, the refinement of Torah. All in the name of Torah. So it's like a double. You're supposed to be objective, intellectual, and honest. And you're completely dishonest. And using dirty ways to fight and dishonest ways to fight, all in the name of Torah. So it's almost too much to take. And the truth is, one extreme brings another extreme. It's a reaction. Everything in this world is a reaction. So... It's natural for this to evoke a likewise reaction. Now that we won, we're going to put you in your place. You miserable. <laughs> the Altar didn't want it. Here you see the genuineness and the holiness and the love, the unconditional love every Jew the Altar ever had. That even in this moment of triumph, even after everything they've done to him, Al-Tarebbe refused to be dragged down to that level. And he refused to allow the Hasidim to be dragged down to the gutter. Because we have to remain above. We have to remember this is a godly victory. Nothing to do with the Masnagim. This was an accusation in heaven. It wasn't, do you think if it wasn't an accusation in heaven, they had the power to put Al-Tarebbe in prison? This was a godly, a godly war. And Al-Tarebi, through his sacrifice, triumphed and broke through and it was a godly victory. So, don't, don't allow your enemies or the opposition to pull us into the gutter. We have to be above it. We are about godliness. And with this godliness, there's no room for ego, there's no room for arrogance, there's no room for a sense of triumphalism, even that aha. See, we won and you lost. So this is why the Alter Rebbe wrote this letter to the Hasidim, a very powerful letter, a very strong letter. It wasn't in a vacuum. The Alter Rebbe saw the victory celebrations and he saw the... and he was worried that, God forbid, it could deteriorate into something which he wouldn't stand for. So based on the verse... Page 24, 
I have become small from all the favors and from all the truth. These words were uttered by Jacob as an introduction to his plea to Hashem that he save him from Esau. Although Hashem had previously assured him that he would accompany and protect him wherever he went, Jacob nonetheless feared that all the kindness that Hashem had already shown him had made him small, example, had reduced his merits. He thus feared that he was possibly in a state in which he would have to ask Hashem anew, save me. So Rashi asks in the previous Torah portion, before Yaakov left his parents' home and went to Haran, went to Lavan, Hashem promised him. Hashem appeared to him. And his head was surrounded with the stones. Hashem appeared to him. And he promised him that he will protect him and he will take care of him. In the next week's Torah portion, when he comes back home, back home to Israel, and he's about to confront Esau, he says, I'm afraid. Maybe I'm not worthy of having your promises, Hashem's promises fulfilled. Why? Because maybe, because as a result of all the kindness that Hashem did to me, did for me, my merits, my bank account of merits, were diminished. So now I'm not worthy of having such a great miracle happen to me. That I should be able to confront Esau and walk away in one piece. That will require a tremendous blessing. Maybe as a result of all the kindness that Hashem did to me, it has eaten up my merits. So I don't have any more merits to merit such a big... That's how Rashi explains. Nachmanides argues, it doesn't make sense in the language of the verse. The language of the verse says, Katointi, I became smaller. Not my bank account of mitzvahs of merits became smaller. Quantity-wise, I don't have as many merits as I have. Katointi means I shrunk. I, Yaakov, shrunk. Not my, the amount of merits that I had became less. So therefore, Nachmanides argues in Ashi, and he explains... That means katointi means that I am not worthy. I'm too small. I'm not a great, I'm not as great, I'm not worthy that all these miracles should happen to me. He says, katointi, I'm too small, so I can't receive all these kindness and all these truths. Here, the Altarebbe is going to say a third explanation. Because according to Nachmanides, katointi, I'm too small. And therefore, I can't receive all your kindness. But it's not so clear, it doesn't fit so well. Katointi, I'm small from the kindness. It doesn't say, Katointi, from receiving the kindness. Milakabel chasad in It says, Katointi, I am small from the kindness. Now, the Rebbe is going to explain. Not like Rashi, but like Nachmanides. Katointi doesn't mean that my merits are less as a result of the kindness, but it means katanti I became small as a result of all the kindness. Where's he go? Because of Hashem's kindness. Because of Hashem's kindness to me, when Hashem is kind to me, the result is it humbles me. I become small. That's the effect that the kindness has on me. 
Not like Rahmanari says, I'm too small, therefore I cannot receive your kindness. Here he's saying, I did receive your kindness. And because I received your kindness, as a result, Katainti, I am too small. I become humbled. I become small. And humbled by your kindness. And he's going to explain this is the quality of Yaakov, this is the quality of truth, this is the quality of holiness, humility. Egolessness. And when there's a godly revelation, your kindness and your truth, the effect is you become even more humble. That's how you know that the person is godly. And that's the, the, the effect of a godly revelation. You become even more humble. Katainti. This means Rashi comments that I have become small is the result of all the favors and, and all the truth. My merits have diminished because of the favors and truth you have done with me. Firstly, it fits in the simple meaning of the word. Katointi, I am small from the favors, from all your favors and all your truth. The result is that my merits are less, which explains why Yaakov doubted Hashem's promise. Hashem promised him. Why suddenly was he afraid of Esau? Hashem promised him that he'll take care of him, he'll watch. So this is the explanation that since his merits were diminished, because he already got so much kindness, he used up so much of his merits, so therefore he doesn't have enough merits in the bank account to, uh, to deserve these, this kindness. Rambam argues this comment is inconsistent with the language of the verse, which states that I have become small, not that the speaker's merits have become smaller. There is a diminution in quality rather than quantity. Rambam therefore understands I have become small to me. I am unworthy of receiving all your kindness and truth. Thus, according to the Rambam, I have become small is not a result of Hashem's kindness and truth, but rather an expression of the speaker's being unworthy of receiving Hashem's kindness and truth. The Altar Rebbe, however, is going to explain this verse according to the commentary of Rashi. From all the kindness simply means that it was the kindness that made Yaakov feel small. At the same time, though the Altar Rebbe will understand, I have become small as referring to the speaker himself. It is he himself who has become diminished as a result of Hashem's many kindnesses and truth. Thus, not only have the particular person's merits become lessened, which results in his diminishment, but he himself is directly affected as a result of the kindness and truth. Although it is the person himself and not the tally of his merits that has become diminished, nonetheless, this diminution is a result of the kindness and truth. This, then, is what the Alta Rebbe intends by saying this means that with every single favor that Hashem bestows upon a man, he ought to become very humble. The Baal Shem Tev, the the Magid, and the Alter Rebbe were like the three patriarchs of the Hasidic movement. Avraham, Baal Shem Tev was like Avraham, the pioneer. The Magid was like Yitzchak. He sustained it, made sure that it will endure. And the Alter Rebbe was Yaakov. And just like the patriarchs, as the patriarchs lived together 
says, Yaakov was 15 years old when Avram passed away, according to some. So, Alter Rebbe was 15 years old when the Baal Shem Tov passed away. They were 15 years together in this world, just like the patriarch. Hashem, don't look any, overlook anything. Uh, everything is precise now, exquisitely precise. Yeah. Tiniest detail. So this verse is very applicable. Now the Rebbe Yaakov is saying, this is the Parsha right before Alter Rebbe was released from prison. And Yaakov refers here to the Alter Rebbe also, Yaakov. So he says, the proper response, the appropriate response of kindness that Hashem does for us is it has to make us humble. That's the sign of holiness. Why should kindness make us humble? Hashem is kind to us. Usually when someone is successful, it doesn't make you humble. It makes you very, feel very good. You feel like a million bucks. Everything is going well. Everything is clicking. Everything is going your way. If anything, you become very ordy and arrogant, egotistical. So why is it that here Hashem does you a tremendous kindness? And Hashem is smiling at you. And you're successful. It's going to make you humble. What's the, what's the connection? How, do you, how does one... You can understand. If a person is not going well, things are not going well... That humbles you, breaks your heart. You're having tzaras, you're suffering. That creates humility. But when things are going well, and you're successful, and you're on top of the world, and that should lead to humility. Counterintuitive. Why, why is that? How does that work? Everything is very precise. He brings two expressions. He says, he brings from the Zohar that chesed, God's kindness, is the right arm. And then he brings the verse from Scripture. His right arm embraces me. You would think he would start with Scripture and then end with the Zohar. But he's really hinting at two different kindnesses. There's a kindness which is described as God's right arm. Just like when you, you have a right arm. So the energy of your soul is embodied in the right arm. So kindness is embodied in the right arm. So the right arm contains this energy. But then you have an energy which cannot be contained. It transcends you. It can, it can embrace you. When you say God embraces us, it means He embraces you. You can't contain it. It only embraces you. It's beyond. So there's two types of kindness. There's a kindness which is part of the structure of the universe of the world. And Hashem is acting kindly to us. But it's a limited kindness. That's a kindness that could be grasped, that could be contained. And that's a kindness which is natural. In nature, you can be successful, you cannot be successful. When you're successful, things go your way. It's a kindness of Hashem. Everything clops, everything goes, and everything clicks. That's a kindness. That's Hashem's right arm. But then there is a kindness which is beyond nature, a miracle. That's Hashem embracing us. It transcends us. It's not something that could be contained. It's not within the framework of nature. It's not within the framework of the world. It's, it's a kindness that comes from Hashem's infinite self that penetrates into this world. Hashem hugs us and embraces us. 
and lifts us up beyond nature. So whether, that's what he's saying, whether it's a kindness and a natural, or whether it's a kindness that's miraculous. The freedom of the Alter Rebbe from prison was miraculous. It was wondrous. It was totally beyond nature. It was an open miracle. Even the non-Jews sensed the miracle. So when Hashem gives a person such a kindness, that here the Alter Rebbe was facing possible death, and next thing you know, it's heroic, triumph, totally exonerated, 100%, without any limitations. Al-Tarebi was afraid. Maybe he'll win, but it'll be a partial win. With limitations, they won't allow him, they'll, they'll, they'll tie his hands, he won't have the freedom. It was a total win. You can go back to what you were doing before and continue, and even stronger, and even better, 100%. So for such a miraculous trial, the opponents didn't succeed one iota, not one percent. It was a total green light, a total... This was miraculous. That there should be such opposition. And yet, accomplished nothing. On the contrary, Hasidism came out stronger and and reaffirmed like a, a letter, it's like a document that's, that's um, the defendant claims that they are, the document is forged, and then you affirm the document. From now on, you can no longer argue against this document. A document that was questioned and affirmed is much stronger than a document that was never questioned. Because now, you can no longer come and start arguing. We went through all that, and it was completely affirmed. So this is an open miracle, open divine miracle that came from beyond. And this was a breakthrough, the whole Chabad approach, the whole Hasidic Chabad approach of revealing godliness and making it accessible. And this, was, this was a breakthrough that came from a totally transcendent place. A kindness of Hashem is totally transcendent. Not the regular kindness within the framework of this world. So when a person experiences such a level of revelation of godliness, such a kindness of Hashem, which refers to the state of Hashem actually bringing him close to himself, far more intensely than before. Every divine act of chesed brings him closer to Hashem. Because Hashem is hugging you, and Hashem is bringing you closer to Him. It's just like an act of kindness physically. When you love someone, you do an act of kindness, it's a, it creates a connection, it creates a closeness. So when Hashem does a kindness to us, we become closer to Hashem. And whoever is brought exceedingly close to Hashem, being raised aloft to great heights, ought to be ever more humble to the lowliest plane. And that's what he said, double, aloft and great heights. Because again, we're talking about not just a kindness that's natural, but a kindness that's totally beyond nature. And the effect has to be not just humble, but very humble, to the lowliest plane. Like it says, not only should we be humble, you should be very humble. Moshe was not only humble, it was extremely humble. So a regular kindness brings out a regular level of humility. But an exceptional kindness, kindness that totally breaks the laws of nature, Hashem lifts us up, elevates us so close to Him, the effect has to be a tremendous humility, an excessive humility. 
as it is written, from afar has Hashem appeared to me. When Hashem appears to an individual through a particular manifestation of kindness, it should make him perceive himself as being in relation to Hashem afar, i.e. humbly distant from him. Alternatively, the verse may be implying that perceiving oneself as being afar is the very means by which to attain a state in which Hashem has appeared to me. They're both true. How does a person merit that Hashem should appear to me? That I should receive Hashem's kindness? That I should be successful? When you're far. When you're distant. When you're humble. When you're humble and you're egoless, then Hashem will appear to you. Hashem despises arrogance. And here he's saying it also means that once Hashem does kindness, Hashem appears to me, then the effect is mirachik. The effect is I realize how distant I am, how far I am. It's like you know, people who work for the Rebbe, the Gaboyim, the personal, very close to the Rebbe. You know, people who work with great people, they don't have the same respect for them that the stranger has because, you know, they see them and their humanity, they see them in their, you know, not only in the moments of greatness. They see, they don't see their exaggerated greatness as for public consumption. They see them intimately. So after working for them for many years, their stature diminishes in their eyes, not but those who worked for the Rebbe for years, decades, it was always this, the closer they got, the more, you know, they, they realize you're dealing here with a godly person, a holy person who's like head and shoulders and transcendent, living in a different universe, a different dimension, a different world. You know, it was like a different uh, re- reality. And so they never lost that sense of Humility in the country, the closer they got, the more they realize how far they are, how distant they are. How so when when a person gets close to Hashem, the closer you get to Hashem, the more distant you feel, the more small you feel. You're standing in the presence of greatness. You feel like a squash bug, you feel like insignificant. You realize how small you are, you realize how insignificant you are. You know, when you have such an, uh, an upfront uh, view, when you have a front seat to infinite greatness, to Hashem, you just completely forget about yourself, completely put you in place. Mirachik, you seem very distant. And as is known, all that are before him are esteemed as nothing. A being of even the highest conceivable spiritual level is of absolutely no account. Indeed, it is nullified out of existence when in Hashem's presence, when it is before Him, but nothing exists before Hashem other than Himself. The truth is, from Hashem's point of view, the reality is, this is the ultimate reality, and the absolute reality, and the absolute truth, from Hashem's point of view, which is the only point of view, really, is that all there is is Hashem, nothing else exists. So, the closer you get to Hashem, the more you realize you don't exist. Your existence means absolutely nothing. It's insignificant. What ego, what I, sense of non-existence, a sense of independent ego and I, and 
What I? What existence? All there is is Hashem. Whatever is more before him, whoever is closer to Hashem, is that much more like nothing, not and non-existent. That's how you know you're truly close to Hashem. The closer you get to Hashem, the more egoless you become. The more humble you become. The more refined you become. The more distant you get from Hashem, the more your sense of I and ego. So when Hashem creates a kindness, Hashem does a kindness to us, to a person, especially a kindness that's a transcendent kindness, miraculous kindness, the closer you get to Hashem, the more egoless you feel, the more humble you feel. So this is the level of Avraham. Avraham was the beginning of holiness. First Jew. So the chesed, kindness, is to Avraham. When you have that kindness, when you feel Hashem's kindness, when you feel close to Hashem, then you become completely egoless. That's holiness. That was Avram's quality. Avram was a chariot, Hashem's kindness. Avram was completely humble and egoless. As Avram said, Who said, And I am dust and ashes. Kindness that God showed Abraham motivated him to attain the ultimate degree of humility that this statement expresses. Just as in the heavenly realms the right arm of divine chesed causes recipients of the chesed to lose their independence and identity in the identity of the bestower of life, loving kindness, so too does it affect morals upon whom it is bestowed, making them likewise humble and self-effacing. The right arm, just like within a person, it's completely one within the person. So too, the right arm of Hashem, the kindness, completely one with Hashem. So when Hashem bestows kindness from His right arm, and we too in turn also become completely one with Hashem and egoless. And just become an expression of Hashem's kindness. This is the nature of holiness, of egolessness. And therefore, when Hashem is kind to us, Avram was a world figure. Avram was extremely successful. He's a powerful person. He uh, dined with kings. He was a spiritual leader, greatest Kabbalist, author, revolutionary. Avram was a personality. Avram was a mover and a shaker. And yet, Avram said, I'm dust and ashes. There was no ego. Because he was a recipient of Hashem's kindness. The closer you get to Hashem, the more you realize Hashem's kindness, there is no ego, there is no I. All there is is Hashem. And the closer you get to Hashem, the more you realize how nothing we are. And there's infinite levels of reaching egolessness. You can, you can realize how insignificant we are, you can go deeper and deeper. The closer you get to Hashem, the more you realize how insignificant and how 
in Paris and Tashem, we were truly nothing. You thought we're nothing? No, no, we're truly nothing. <laughs> and then you get even higher. No, 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 you're really nothing. And uh, all there is is Hashem. So when a Jew is successful, when a Jew has kindness, when Hashem deals with the Jew with kindness, especially when he deals with us miraculously, the effect has to be total humility, total egolessness. And that's the nature of holiness. That's how we know that we're, we're connected to holiness, that we're receiving our sustenance from the kindness of Hashem, from holiness, directly from Hashem, without any, any interference. So if it has that effect on us. If we become arrogant, you become haughty, and then we know we're not receiving our sustenance from holiness. So yes, it's counterintuitive. The way of the world is, people who are successful become very arrogant and very haughty and impossible. And they think that they're special and better than anyone else, and they can no longer talk to their poor cousins anymore. I'm a mensch, what are you? You're... You're a failure, and, and I'm a success story, and, and, and they start reading their own press releases, and <laughs> start believing their own press releases, and breathing the, their own rarefied ear, and you know, and they forget, they forget what it's all about. But the sign of holiness is—that's why Avram was so kind. Why was Avram so kind? Avram gave everything he had. The reason Avram was so kind was because he felt that he was nothing. I'm dust and ash. Avram's kindness wasn't like he was a nice fellow. He liked, he enjoyed doing kindness. There are people who enjoy music. There are people who enjoy giving. It wasn't just nat- natural. Avram was naturally a nice guy. He was a liberal. He liked to give. Avram's kindness came from his holiness. Because he felt like he was dust and ashes. And he felt like... So he only took for himself whatever he needed. And everything else he gave to Tzedakah. Because everything that he had, Hashem gave. So therefore, it's not, it's not just me. Hashem's kindness. I don't deserve it. Hashem gave it to me. It's a gratuitous kindness of Hashem. So I, in turn, have to also give and become like Hashem and share my wisdom and share my time and share my wealth and share my home to communicate, to give to others. So the kindness, holy kindness, comes from a very deep-rooted awareness of how insignificant we are and how there is no other reality but Hashem. And the, the, clo- the more the kindness, the closer we feel, the clearer we feel. Hashem's reality, and there's no other reality but Hashem. And the clearer we feel, how there's no ego, there's no I, there's no... So therefore, it's not a struggle for me to give away what I have. I should give my hard-earned money to someone else. I'm going to make the person jump through a, a, a hoop to get my check. 
And he's going to have to honor me first. And that's arrogance. That's ego. That's not holiness. That's not Avram's kindness. Avram's kindness came because he had a sense of, I am dust and ashes. I don't deserve all this. Why why do I have all this? Hashem gave it to me, and I in turn have to give it to others. And therefore, when you give kindness that comes from holiness, not only you do kindness, but it's how you do kindness. You make the person feel like a million dollars. A person whose kindness comes from ego, from arrogance, it's all about me. You don't make the person feel like a million dollars. By the time you give him that lousy check, <laughs> you took the life out of him. You, you sucked the life out of him. You wrung him dry. You humiliated him, insulted him. You made him feel like a schlepper. But the kindness that came from Avram, Avram served his guests. Avram stood hand and foot, ready to serve. Nomads, nobodies, serving them as if they were royalty. This is making a person feel like a million dollars. This is a kindness that could only come from holiness. A kindness that comes from a deep recognition that there's no other reality but Hashem. And the more kindness, the more you understand that, and the more egoless you feel. And therefore, I, it's my money. I deserve this money. It belongs to everyone. It's not mine. Hashem gave it to me, and I have to in turn share it with others, share the wealth with others. And if he gives it to them with dignity, gives it to them with a sensitivity, this is the kindness of Abraham. This is the kindness of holiness. He continued. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.